0: Welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker, and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. That's it. You're here for the Formula One podcast from EFTM. Thanks to KO Sports, Trevor Long with you, Harry Tucker, and Connor McNally still doing two-wheel duty of the non-motorized kind. We will leave that for another day. Luke King. Race driver extraordinaire joins us once again. Luke, good to be with you, mate.
1: Thanks for having me, boys. Always good to to be here. I've had a coffee this afternoon to try and keep me up, so I am pepped and
2: ready to go. All
0: right, it's 12.40 a.m. Harry, are you with me? KO Mini or full race, buddy?
2: Look, it's a Mini. There was, we'll get to it. There was a lot in it that happened, but it was not necessarily spread out and making it full race worthy, so so going Mini for this one.
1: Okay, Luke, what do you think, mate? Interesting. I I'm a full race kind of guy on this one. I think it was it had a lot of different stuff in it that you could keep track of lap to lap, so uh, it kept me up anyway.
0: Well, look, I can tell you straight up, it's okay, mini for me. I cleared a lot of my inbox during that race, um, <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, uh, it's it's a trip. fascinating one. It's a fascinating one because let's let's be clear before we unpack it, kind of bit by bit, Harry. It it was boring in many ways. Due to a kind of distinct lack of passing, but there was enough there to make it not a bad race. That's that's the way I see it. What are your thoughts, Harry?
2: Yeah, like it, it's funny that you and I are both like, yeah, this is a mini, and Luke's like a race, and he's the race driver, and we're just you know the punters <laughs> on the side. So we're, we're clearly <laughs> yeah, you know looking for point, some Luke, form of entertainment.
0: <laughs> we sit here and we're all here for the action, right? Whereas I would have thought someone like you who likes it a bit of wheel to wheel. Would have thought that was a bit disappointing, but I was shocked when you said to me before I hit record, mate, what a cracking race! In fact, tell tell the listener what you told me before we hit record.
1: I I said honestly, it was like one of the the best races of the year. Like no, I thought no. it was <laughs> I, honestly, honestly, I thought it was decent. Like what was this the-
0: coffee? coffee. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't. A, it wasn't
2: as lollipops. Apparently, yeah.
1: <laughs> it was a straight shot, so it's. I'm pretty excited right now. But um, <laughs> oh, but well, le- le- legit. I think I thought that it was. It was a decent race, and especially with you know um, Max and Charles in in that first stint, like they were most to tail for most of it, and it was uh, interesting to to try and watch how that strategy was going to play out.
0: Okay, 53-lap race at uh, Paul Ricard, the French Grand Prix. Max Verstappen wins ahead of Lewis Hamilton, George Russell, a double podium for Mercedes, Sergio Perez in fourth, Carlos Sainz in fifth, and there is a lot to unpack with that result. Fernando Alonso, a really solid race in sixth, ahead of Lando Norris, Esteban Ocon, Daniel Ricciardo, and Lance Stroll, uh, holding out Sebastian Vettel. Um, the, The start of the race was kind of fascinating because, Luke, it was a pretty clean start for nearly everyone and you know a really good start by both Leclerc and Hamilton Um, you know it it always fascinates me how clean these guys can be and I think and I don't know about you Luke but I, I think it's been a very clean bunch of starts for a good part of this year it's like we've got some real respect among the drivers.
1: Yeah, agreed, mate. I think um, it was the, the same thing at uh, in Austria, the, the previous race. I thought Hamilton was really cautious going into turn one there. I mean, there was a, a big invitation to go up the inside of Max um, and he kind of, he, he braked early and, and everyone sort of got through. Um, I think the interesting two to watch on that opening lap there on the start was Danny and Lando because I, I really thought they were going to tangle going into turn four.
0: I think so too. There was a moment there where it was like, hang on, Daniel definitely backed out of that. And it was like, you know, he doesn't want the headline. You can imagine that goes through his head too, Harry, because he's all the headlines just because of his performance this year. You don't want to be in the headlines because you pushed your teammate out. But it wasn't a bad start for Daniel at all. He got up to eighth behind Lando. Um, And in the end, I think they found their positions overall the whole race. But do you reckon, Harry, and we heard it a few times during the race, you know, um, when a faster driver was coming through like Carlos coming from the back, you know, people, they would, uh, someone would kind of move over and say that's not their race. Do you reckon that's Hamilton's thought going into that first turn? Why send it when he's probably not in the battle for first and second? Oh, I mean, he did have a good,
2: good start though. Like Lewis was right, talking about, but he definitely yeah. didn't take a gap no.
0: on the first turn.
2: No, no. And I think, I think this particular race was, was a bit different than most in that sense because we knew the temperature was really, you know, well, cooked, literally, um, and no one was sure what was going to happen with tyres. So, for Lewis, he, like you're saying, he's smart enough to go. Like, I don't even think it's about it's not my race. It's just he knows that today's going to be a long day and it's not going to be decided on the first lap like a lot of other races are. And Mm -hmm. I think that's just what it mostly was for him there. But he he, cracking start, though, either way. And Alonso, obviously, as well.
0: What do you yeah. make, Luke, of the uh, of the Sonoda um, spin, Ocon um, at the at the start there racing incident or penalty worthy? Ocon got a five second penalty for it.
1: Yeah, I think it was it was penalty worthy. I mean, like yeah, he was he was up the inside there, but I didn't actually when he hit the curb, I didn't really see him have a lose, but he did open up the steering wheel. So I don't know whether he was like feeling something from the rear of the car that made him kind of correct, but he kind of corrected into. Yuki and then that just sent them, sort of sent Yuki off. So, you know, I reckon it's probably, Yuki would be thinking he was hard done by there not um, with with Ocon only getting a five second penalty because it's not really that much when you've just spun him and he's lost 20 seconds. So, mm. Um, I'd be spewing if I was Yuki because he would have been looking for a clean race. He's kind of got that reputation at the moment as someone who can't put together a, a clean race. And um We're yeah, going Daniel his- in, the,
0: in the post-qualifying interview that he, he <laughs> talked through what he thought was going to happen in, in, yeah. uh, in the opening lap. He says, you know, Fernando could be good, he could be bad, he, so I could be ahead of him. And, but he basically said, Yuki doesn't start well, Harry. And yeah. <laughs> I <probably laughs> predicted it, Harry. It was
2: great, and the, my favourite thing about that as well is that you know he was clearly tongue-in-cheek taking a piss, and you'd see all over the internet just people just reacting like he's just this arrogant prick there. And funnily <laughs> enough, either way, like you say, it came true.
0: Yeah, it, it was pretty spot-on, in fact, that, that he'd make up some spots. Uh, obviously, he actually ended the race uh, where he started, but but we'll cover the individual shortly. Um, Ocon ended up uh, – well, let, let's talk about um, Max and Leclerc because – the first couple of laps, obviously no DRS, uh, but it was still nose to tail. Uh, and that kind of gives me that feeling this is going to be a cracker. This is going to be yep. I mean, Silverstone-esque, you know, really great, great passing, great driving, just great everything. Um, and But, Luke, we then, we got DRS and it was fair I mean, it was three laps and, and of DRS. So we were on about lap five and I'm thinking, I don't. I don't think Max can catch him. Like he's with him, but I always look at DRS. And I don't know about you, because I find it fascinating what you say. Because Luke, when you just said, you know, he opened the wheel and stuff. I don't. We're not looking at that stuff, but you yeah. are. I'm a, I'm a data guy. I look at the timing sheet and I go, well, hang on, coming on to the main straight. For example, Max is 8.5 seconds behind, or 0.85. Sorry, 0.85. And, yep. And by the end of the straight, he's at 0.4. So he's he's got to be at point. to make it really work, and he just never was. It's, it, it, it really was strange to me that DRS actually didn't do a lot here.
1: Yeah, I think that the length of the straights just aren't quite long enough. You you see them, like from those big aerial shots, you can see where the cars start to pull. When they're getting to a higher speed, obviously, they're punching a bigger hole in the air. So, the car behind is able to actually drag up to the car in, in front. And the two straights here, or the, the big ones with DRS, just are, are just too short, I think, for it to to come mm-hmm. into play. Um, I've got a note on lap six that Charles had a little mistake coming into that. I think it's turn five, six chicane between those two straights and he was offline sort of on entry and that gave the chance finally for Max to get up behind him. And then we had that, that battle between the two of them going up into to turn 10 where Charles had to go defensive. And I thought that Max might get him on the pit straight the next time by. But um, yeah, Charles did a bloody good job to hold him off.
0: Mm. Harry did you notice let's be the two idiots of the group uh talking about race lines uh with a race driver listening in did you (laughs) notice a lot of very interesting lines being taken especially during those duels where you know I saw it at the end with Vettel I saw it a lot of times with a lot of people who were doing these close moves it was as if they were taking a bad line into the corner but it was actually a wide line to really straighten up and open up the the exit which actually did do a lot of I, I really saw a lot of a lot of different lines being used, and I, I thought that was cool. But again, it didn't really result in a whole lot of action. That was my problem, Harry.
2: Mm-hmm. Look, I'm I'm going to be semi useless in this question here. Um, in saying that, yes, I completely noticed those two, particularly the wide ones, and I mm. kept thinking that I was watching someone, you know, almost stuff up and about to understeer off the track. But you know, then then it'd work out. They pull in and and either get ahead or or keep the position they're in. But Luke, what what was going on? Like in that in this sort of conditions, is there something different that that they're doing with the tires there? Is it this this type of track? Like what's what have I missed? Yeah, good good question. I, I think
1: it's more just what what that particular car can do at that point in time. So you might have like a, the perfect example and not to skip ahead, but the perfect example is the very end of the race where Um, Sebastian Vettel was Mm. on the back of Stroll and you see Sebastian take the normal line for these corners, which is that wide, weird entry that you guys are talking about, which is a typical late apex. And Stroll was going sort of narrow on on the entry, which is not allowing him to get on on the throttle as early out of the corner. So then the car behind can get a run on them. So it's the car behind either trying to get a run or the car in front trying to be defensive. And some of the drivers obviously had some different lines as well going over that bump, I think it was, at Turn 4. I noticed George Russell always staying very tight through that bump when he was trying to chase down Perez. And Perez ran wide over that and then wide through Turn 6 and always seemed to get a really nice run out of there. So, you know, I I think it's just partly driver preference and also where they can place the car at the time and, and what they're trying to do. So, you while don't, you don't while think it's something a, special?
0: Sorry, is that I'll uh,
2: oh, just with this. Like, you don't think there's anything particularly special with these conditions or this track that was making that? Because I just sort of think that this is, and I you know I guess Trev's the same since he brought it up, it, it was to a, to a level that you don't often see. You don't like normally that, see. That's right. That different amount of lines, I, yeah.
1: I, I think with this circuit, the a lot of these corners are very long- and they're fast on entry, and then they tighten up. So that's where you see this this strange line where you probably wouldn't see it on most other conventional circuits. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that would be so, my answer to that. So I,
0: I'm curious then, while we're talking lines, something that's kind of always fascinating to me, but I think at this, this track, again, you notice it. You've got this long back straight that's separated by a chicane, kind of like... Yep. You know, Conrad essentially, except there's more um, straight at the at the second side of it. But yep. I'm curious as to the the idea of, say, George Russell and Perez near the end. We skip ahead here. But George is trying to get ahead of Perez. But when you, when you duck to the inside, you know that little dart as if you want to just yep. put yourself in the mirror so they can see you. You're putting yourself a car width or more uh, offline, you know, into the corner. Doesn't yep. that jeopardize the corner? Because you, you're not going to pass them. Let's be clear. You're not ducking out to go under. You're ducking out just to, I don't know, show them you're there. Doesn't that jeopardize your line to the point where you should have stayed right on the line, gone right up there, clacker, and then been at speed to come out of the turn? I don't know. It's a weird thing as a non-racer to observe and go, mate, you should have stayed on line.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree because then you also risk dirtying the tire as well, and and having pick up on the tire, which then affects you run through the next corner. Um, the the way I was taught was always to show half a car because you still want to pressure the guy in front because right. then if he a if he that- a brake, yeah, yeah, it's it's that whole mental game. But having a big pull out and then a big pull back in like that is. I don't think is is necessary, and mm. I've, I actually have heard guys like De and Button comment on that in the broadcasts over the last sort of twelve months because you you are seeing them being quite aggressive in that way. Um, yeah, not probably the way I'd do it, but I'm also not in Formula One.
0: Let's all remember, none of us are actually anywhere close to Formula One. If we push to about lap 10, you've got Carlos up into 12th. Um, By lap 14, he was in 10th, and this is a guy who started 19th. So he was really pushing through the pack, um, you know, doing really nice. But Leclerc then, by this time, kind of pushes Max out of DRS range. So it's very clear by about lap 10 or 15 that there's no clear DRS advantage. Max by 16 is at a 1.8-second gap. Then it's just a matter of going, okay, can – can he undercut here? And he 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 does pit, but it's a huge disadvantage at this track. I mean, it's such a slow. It's a big mm. loss of time, Harry. And I think that's that's always the concern. But you know, watching Max, you're like, okay, well, I guess he's looking for clear air. But he came out a long way back. Did you get a sense that he was going to push to to get the undercut?
2: Yeah, it was it was quite surprising that 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 had happened. Even you know, even the few laps leading up to it. The commentary team was talking about, you know, how much of an issue it is for those top guys to, to pit right now because of where they end up back in that sort of 10th spot, which is exactly what happened. And it was, uh, this is, again, this is while we're on the, sort of the topic of us all being very out of touch, is at that point as well, I'm completely listening, you know, like hand a hard Bible to them going, yeah, there's no, there's no way Max can do that and get back in front. And he ends up, you know, freaking weaned the race at the end. So, don't know shit over here. But, yeah, at that <laughs> point, I, yeah, that, that, it shocked me.
0: Now, obviously, we never really got to see the undercut because Charles ran out of talent or something and went straight into a wall. But I, I would say just before Charles went off, the the differential was 27 seconds, and they say you lose 28. So I actually mm-hmm. do think the undercut was going to work there. It's worked, yeah. Um, but that's not to say that Charles wouldn't have been just a touch closer and all those different things. But tell me, Luke, uh, Charles Leclerc on a... Fast, long, sweeping right-hander seem to just have a uh, Trevor Long in Formula One 2022 <laughs> on yeah. kind of moment where I don't know—is it—is—is is it not meant to be a full-speed turn? It's—it's it's a you know, riding the throttle, and he's just got on just a, a millimeter too much on the throttle, and it's kicked the back end out.
1: Yeah, look, it's it's actually one of those corners that you guys are talking about where it's, it's a fast entry and then they go all the way out wide for the kind of the second apex. Um, I'm actually watching the incident on screen right now with Ant, who's uh, dissecting the whole thing. And it's it's possible that the tire dig at that point, because Ferrari were trying to run a bit longer into the stint, was just a little bit too much. And like it's uh, it's such fine margins at that point. And as you say, like you know, one or two percent of too much throttle. You know, I, I noticed from the the rear of the the car, it actually started laying down rubber on that the left hand rear wheel, which obviously means the wheels are starting to spin up. So. Whether he's just been a touch too throttle, happy with it, and it's it's lost, or whether that's just the grip in the car going because the deg was that high at that point, we don't really know. But Charles came on later in the race and basically admitted to him making a mistake. Very and brutally honest, like that was that was huge. So because when he was originally in the fence, he was sort of you know pri- crying about from the Charles throttle. Oh, Charles' play was unlike yeah.
0: anything I've heard for a long time, uh, Harry. I mean that was. That was raw emotion, and it was it was uh, it was only at that raw emotion point that I thought, okay, I'm not going to tell him to go and turn the assist back up to medium traction control here because (laughs) I'm not going to do it for him. Um, It was it was quite fascinating, Harry, wasn't it? Yeah, raw emotion on the radio. I genuinely don't remember hearing that kind of scream before.
2: Yeah, it was. It was like the you know. The sound, that the scream that Fernando Alonso makes from his victory, whenever it was, it's always in the start of the credits. (laughs) But, like, the complete opposite side of that scream, it was the anguish instead of the joy. And just, it was just over the radio and him just, yeah, it was every, like, ounce of his being was being screamed out in frustration. And uh, and hearing the flip as well, like, because he was coming off there... Yeah, He was angry at the team and he's like, that, the throttle, you know, fucking last week we were talking about this in Austria. Um, I had problems there and it's so the throttle again. He was pissed and he comes out at the end and it's all himself. So,
0: yeah. He's I don't know whether a, that was yeah. someone having a little word to him saying, yeah, mate, have the a up out the back Yeah. There yeah.
2: You. But yeah. you know
0: what? I think that Charles taking responsibility is a really fascinating leadership thing because that moment, now, obviously, he crashed into the fence. Let's call it his fault entirely. But that was the beginning of the end for Ferrari, possibly for the oh year, quite God. frankly, because, my God, yeah. we get a we get a safety car, everyone pits, including, as you point out, Harry, Haas, who lost the advantage from their early um, in-race pit stops. Carlos Sainz pits, very slow stop, problems with the right left rears, I think. And he's released directly into the path of, I think, a Williams, who has to lock up the brakes. He nearly... A McLaren crew member, member. and it was instantly, it was an unsafe release. Now, unsafe release is a five-second penalty. Five seconds, not the end of the world, quite frankly, for a car that's fast, so I'm not sure it's actually the right penalty. I think it should have been more, but that was, it's just amazing how that can happen in a team like Ferrari. You kind of expect, you know, Haas to make unsafe release problems, but Harry, Ferrari? Seriously?
2: I mean, has has copy in the strays there, um, but um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Not this, <laughs> um, but yeah, expecting that, and then you know they're fighting to win the championship. Like as you say, like this is this is like an amateur hour. The stuff that they're pulling at the moment, and you know another big incident at the end that completely ruined other possibilities that we'll get to is that they're just like unforced errors after unforced errors.
0: Mm. Ridiculous. It's- it's a shocking it, look. Uh, the, the restart, though, Luke, um, was pretty formation-like, but Signs again, showed that he had the pace here because he, I mean, after a very short space of time, Signs gets up to about fifth position uh, after the yeah. restart. Norris was in sixth and Ricardo seventh. It was, it was a great restart by Signs because he had great rubber and this was his chance despite the looming five-second penalty.
1: Yeah, look, I was happy for Carlos at that point, and you know he didn't muck around with with Danny or with with Lando. Um, Alonso put up a, a fight as Alonso does, but um, he cleared him within a couple of laps, and then it was all looking pretty good for Carlos, I thought. And I was sort of looking at it, going, "Well, are they? Do they have to pit him, or are they just going to wait to see what he, what, you know, like how his tire deg is?" And it all looked okay, and then he's, he's fighting with Perez, and his engineer comes on the radio and tells him to pit,
0: and it's and just he's like, arguing with him. He has to argue yeah. back. And go, no, no, mate. But it was if, a bit weird because at one point Perez, uh, sorry, uh, Signs was like we should come in, and then his engineers were like no, and yep. then he's battling with Perez, and now obviously team. Let's be clear, people. If you're watching the Formula One on Ko Sports, the team radio that you hear is um. Is, is delayed. Okay, it's not actually in line with that. So we're watching this massive battle with Perez and Signs, and then suddenly there's this team radio saying box box. Now I've got no doubt, Harry, that that team radio actually came through while they were battling, probably at the back oh, of the yeah. track.
2: But because at that po- that point it, they'd been going for a while, like that was not yeah, like. But the yeah.
0: uncertainty of so many back and forths is what what troubles me more than than the making the wrong decision mm. because. The fact that they're having a back and forth with the driver, seriously, have some faith in your strategy team and the supercomputer that powers it and make the call for the driver. Like, it's it's weird. Was
2: was it only like last race or if not last race, the race before when they're talking about, you know, strategy D, uh, sorry, like strategy G or something ridiculously like the 12th, 15th strategy they could have. And it's sort of like, yeah, you you go into and, you know, in this level of sport, are you not literally trying to plan for every single possible scenario and you're going okay yeah we've run out of the opportunity to you know at this point to probably get the most out of the pit let's just run it and stick with that and instead yeah. they're just all over the freaking shop because
0: the, the levels of motorsport that you're working in but like seriously this is this is not formula one levels of of i guess planning this is I mean, Fennigam's supercar team wouldn't have this level of ind- indecision when it comes to when to stop, how to stop, who's to stop. It's it's embarrassing.
1: Mate, you're bang on. I mean, I actually had this conversation with a, a friend of mine who used to be my Formula Ford engineer, and he literally messaged me about the Ferrari strategy a couple of races ago and said it's it's good to know that it's not just us. You know, here in Australia, <laughs> it's, it's this shit wrong because it seems so simple. And like one of the things I picked up on in on the team radio was the engineer coming over and saying, uh, five second stop go. And then you got Carlos correcting him on, <laughs> no, mate, it's <laughs> just a five go. second. We're not doing a stop go. And he's like, oh, yeah. And it's like that, that wording might sound very sort of like, you know, like you could. Anyone else outside of Formula One would dismiss that, but the fact that they're not onto, you know, what sort of penalty it is, and they're getting their, their wording wrong and their clarification, mm. it's like, you know, if if my engineer came over the radio to me while I was in a battle with someone for the lead of a race, I would yeah, I wouldn't I'm have been the radio,
0: nice. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that, that fascinating cause in that team radio exchange there was this thing about, you know, yes, you're right, we'll we'll serve it at the next stop. And it's that point that I go, What do you mean the next stop? You, I mean he's yeah. got yeah, he's got really old tires Let's be clear, we all know that. He's on really old medium tyres. But dude, you've got, I don't know, it was eleven laps to go and yep. there's there's this pit core. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? Well. Eleven laps to go, you are in Third position, he gets to third position. Right, they're having this battle. Gets to third, and he then pits from third position in a Formula One Grand Prix with a tw- with a five second penalty to serve and a twenty eight second delta, and he comes out in friggin' ninth. I'm thinking immediately. I went the best he can do is fifth because the gap between mm. fourth and fifth was twenty six seconds. How yeah, on he, earth no. does that yeah. even come close to being reasonable,
2: Harry? His tires, even at that point, as well. His tires, like, were, were fine. Like he he was he faster Perez. than George Russell. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Perez. <laughs> yeah, like literally that, like the the lap before. Like, it's, and we'll oh. never
0: know, Luke, whether he could have made up the five seconds because obviously you can say, well, yeah, he got the third, but he would have come back in fourth because of the five second penalty. But yeah, honestly, I got to say, the drama that occurred on track um inspired him at one point he he was it was like he wasn't going to pass perez yeah and then he was kind of told that and he went bugger that i definitely can pass him yeah. do you think he could have made the 5 seconds up in third Oh yeah, I mean,
1: he had 10, 10 laps at that point to to try and do it, and he was the mediums were still lasting for him. I mean, Ferrari they would have looked like absolute heroes if that Guan Yuzhou car had. A, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that as know. well. Like if there had been an actual safety car from that, but when he pitted, I looked at it and I went, okay, you know, twenty eight second delta. He's like twenty seconds behind Alonso, who's in fifth. He's going to have to you know, be 2.8 seconds a lap faster every single lap to get back just to where he was. Mm. So, like, and has to pass cars at the same time. So, would you not just run the car for a little bit longer and try and conserve after you got past Perez? Like, it should have been easy at that stage. But for whatever reason, like, they've just shot themselves in the foot and... Anyone who's a Ferrari fan today, I mean, you look at where the Haas's ended up, you look at where the Alphas ended up as well, every Ferrari car is not where it should have been.
0: And and I think that, you know, um, he got to fifth on lap 48, but he's 22 seconds behind fourth place. And that in itself, that line, that note... Mm. Is an explanation of a massive failure in the Ferrari strategy team because then you mentioned Joe um, parked up. We assume it's a it's a uh, powertrain engine failure somewhere there. But Harry, the virtual safety car that came out for that quick little pushback was fascinating. What did you make of George Russell's restart with the virtual safety car? <laughs>
2: Well, well the whole the safe the virtual safety car was good because I thought for a split second there they were going to do, you know, somewhat of that repeat and of Abu Dhabi last year yeah. and do a safety car <laughs> just to for the entertainment. So I'm glad that that's what happened. They got the car up quick and then Sergio just had a nap. He used just having a little nap there as the safety the virtual safety car was going and George Russell just just completely just dived him. And it was great. It was just a great little move. I just don't like remember
0: Holland. ever seeing that before under a virtual no. safety car. They've always been pretty lame. We had this weird thing, Luke, where George was – really close, they would look like they were fighting, and then he dropped way back, and the commentary team was suggesting that he was using the early part of the delta to back off and the last part of the the delta gap, the the section, Mm -hmm. to speed up and, and get close. But in the end, I think that when the light went from yellow to green, George and Sergio were at a very similar spot to they were beforehand, and George simply pressed the go button faster. Yeah. yeah
1: he he had a i think he had a bit more rolling speed at at that point, so like when he put his foot down, the thing actually like drove whereas you look at sergio's car like from george's view, he was at a slower speed and when he put his foot down, the thing just spun up and it left some black lines down on the track again so I think he had low grip anyway with the tires that he was on, and George just got that run capitalized and I thought it was it was mega. I mean, he'd already been putting the the pressure on Sergio anyway, and to pull that off in the in the final laps for the the first double podium for Merck was um, that was a big move for George.
0: Yeah, and I think Harry that um, Sergio's inability to get back at George while he fought him um was just another demonstration that it doesn't really matter which car. Um, there was this kind of evening out of the field thanks mm-hmm. to. Both the differentiation between, you know, straight line speed and, and corner speed cars versus DRS. It was, you know, Sergio couldn't get past him. Simple as that, Harry.
2: No, he couldn't get past him. And, you know, to his credit, it was pretty close right to the end. And he, he definitely didn't give up. But, yeah, it was sort of, it was done there. The race was done there. And then it was a a Max and then a Mercedes 2.3, which first time we've seen it this year.
0: Yeah, incredibly, that, um, <laughs> it is. It is incredible to to think that we've gotten um, halfway through the season without this kind of result for Mercedes. Um, the uh, the season's not over yet. We've got a, another race in, in a week, and then the second half of the season after a little winter break um, for us, summer break for them, and then, uh, all the actions on on chaos. Sports. So if you have got a chaos Sports subscription, get one now. Uh, Twenty five bucks a month gets you all the Formula One action every single session of the uh, Hungarian Grand Prix in a week from now is yours to watch. Uh, right there on your tablet, your smartphone, or your big screen TV, where, whichever way you want to watch um, the Formula One, as well as all the other motorsport available on Ko Sports. Um, just team-wise, boys, I think obviously we we just mentioned Mercedes, but it's I mean it's hard not to not to be kind of disjointed about Mercedes, Luke, because not a bad result for them, but there was all this talk kind of across the weekend that their progress wasn't as good as they they hoped it would be at this point uh, in terms of upgrades they brought, but in the end their reliability and their speed isn't actually a horrible thing right now.
1: Yeah, agreed. I mean, I saw an interview with Lewis before the race where he was saying that the update that they had brought to the table this weekend was might have given them half a tenth, maybe a tenth if it was working properly. So they're bringing small upgrades to the car. Um, I think, I can't remember what stint it was. It must have been after that first safety car. I was pretty impressed with where... Um, oh, actually no. It was from the start of the race through to the first stops, where like Lewis was able to kind of stay within mm. three to five seconds of, of Charles and Max, and was pulling away from Perez and George, who's been like on top of Lewis all year. So, you know, I think I think the Mercs are getting closer, and as you say, that reliability is still. Playing into their hands, but it's just so weird for me to see a Merck struggling in a straight line and a Red Bull like blazing past mm. it. It's um, it just doesn't seem right from what we know in the last seven yeah. seven years. But um, but yeah, I think Merck will. They're going to be the slow burn. They're going to keep coming on strong, and if they have these performances in the background, all you need is for Charles and Max to to prang into each other at a couple of races late in the season. And if, if Mercedes are on form at that point, who knows whether George or Lewis could be in the box seat to, to fight for a championship.
0: Yeah. And, and, Harry, I think the other one that stood out to me team-wise in the positive sense was Alpine. Uh, barely mentioned in the commentary, let's mm. be honest, but there was, a, there was a bit else to get to. But, you know, Ocon did well. He he, he had the pace on Daniel, no doubt. And Alonso, the quiet achiever, just kept, kept his space, just kept his place, kept his space, and, uh, you know, a great result in sixth and eighth for, for Alpine.
2: Yeah, I, I think um, I think they play a really good team game. I think, you know, when you think about it as a team sport, which we don't often do in the mm-hmm. sense of drivers and driver's championship, I think what Alpine has been doing in the last few races as a team has been great. And this is another example, and Alonso playing the team game, and, you know, as much as it was a bit of a joke, him on the radio talking about holding the McLaren boys up, like it it clearly worked, like him going maybe a little bit slower than he could have just to sort of have that them, uh, or particularly Lando, in behind him and getting that air coming off and degrading his tyres a bit more and so that, you know, the tyre the strategy worked better for Alpine and Ocon could get closer to them and, you know, and then less points for McLaren, who is really the team they're fighting against. And it was just, it felt like it was a cohesive team unit working together and it was, you know, you look at it in six and eight, but it's, it was just a very impressive day out for him, I think.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And and Luke, I think Aston Martin wouldn't be disappointed with 10th and 11th, but still not the season they would have hoped for. But the real, I think the real underachiever at this point of the season is probably Alpha Tauri, Luke, just given yeah. they had so much, you know, upward momentum uh, in the last couple of years and, you know, yeah. their, their, their team ali- uh, allegiances.
1: Yeah it probably probably wasn't the grand prix they wanted this weekend. I saw Pierre's parents looking pretty dejected at the back of the pit garage on about lap 40 like they just wanted to go home. But they got pretty excited when he he got past like, I can't remember whether it was uh, was it Stroll or might have even been Latifi at that point that he was fighting with but um look they they've been doing well. I I was having some thoughts about the the Alpine and Ocon specifically and thinking about our young guy Oscar Piastri mm. and wh- whether or not Ocon really does deserve to be there at Alpine or whether Alpine need to make a call and pull Oscar in because Fernando's doing way too good of a job and Ocon's been around for a while now and he he does well but is he doing that well like oh, you know
0: I I think you you make a great point and everyone listening knows my opinion on this Ocon shouldn't be in Formula 1 I don't think he's really yeah. proven anything his his race win is is Admirable, but it was, you know, a little bit... um, Circumstantial. Yes, circumstantial. Uh, You know, I think... You know the great comparison, and it's easy to say this, but difficult to kind of put out, is Lando... And (laughs) Nico made a really good point. Lando is driving outstanding. Daniel's driving good. Um, Fernando you could say he's driving good, but the, he appears to be driving outstanding. What you need is, let's say, to put Oscar in and find out whether Oscar can push Alonso or be ahead of Alonso and find out whether or not this, this car can go better. But, you know, Harry, I'm not sure there's going to be movement at Alpine. I think the only movement is going to be potentially Aston Martin and, and Williams, but really probably only Williams. Um yeah. doesn't feel like there's going to be much else, Harry.
2: No, I don't think there will be, you know, Earlier in the weekend, um, it was the team was pretty much you know, hinting to the fact that Alonso will, will be there next year, and then we know that Ocon signed on for another what two or three years, and and Formula One contracts can sort of be wiggled if they really want them to, but it, it doesn't feel like that type of situation mm. um, in there. But yeah, it's the thing is, the thing though with with Ocon. And with them and with us is that, you know, they know what they think the car is capable of. And yeah. clearly, you know, if they really thought that this was not being, you know, the mark was being hit with Fernando even, like they'd have some idea there, right? Like it's not the yeah, idea of us right. being like they throwing They probably Oscar. know
0: their expectation. And if they think Ocon's meeting or close to the expectation, then there's no need to pull the trigger, right? I mean, they know it's not they know it's not a Mercedes. They know it's not meant to be battling up there. And if they're battling for that fourth spot, then they're happy team wise. I just
1: yeah, look, I I sort of agree with that, but I also look at it and go, Who who out of those two drivers has been making all the headlines? And if if you didn't know the age of both of those drivers, you mm-hmm. would say that Alonso was the young gun willing to take risks and a really good talented racer because he just pulls off stuff that we look at and go wow like we're so happy to have Alonso in the sport is Ocon doing that and could could Piastri be doing the same thing if if he had the chance
0: and I think there's a lot of seats like that I mean you got to wonder what someone else Alongside Sebastian Vettel could do at Aston Martin, both from a mentoring point of view and a and a pushing the team point of view. Um, You know, there's no doubt that Latifi's time is up at Williams, but is that really the best place to be dropped in in the first year Mm. of his form? I don't know. There's some. It's going to be a tough uh, six to twelve months, but I do think, boys, I I think that after Hungary, it'll be uh, announcement season in that in that winter Mm, break. Definitely, yeah. That was where. That was where Daniel's announcement was made for Renault back in the day, and you know I think it's just a good time to put everything down. There's not a weekly media circus; they've just got to attack it when they come back um, at the end of August. Um, it kind of feels like the right time to make that final set of moves, Harry. There's no re- real reason to wait till the end of the year. No, no, they won't.
2: I, I think I think we'll we'll get most of the moves by then as well. And I think it was in Oscar's contract um, as well, in the sense of if he is not. Uh, got a seat by the summer break in this period, then he's sort of free from from his commitment to Alpine. So, mm-hmm. at minimum, his situation, I would say, will be known um, by the time we come back from from this break.
0: I love your intimate knowledge of his contract. That's good stuff. <laughs> <Harry>. um, <laughs> do you, do you oh, spend
2: the- your free time just on Formula One, yeah. Reddit, and things like that? Is that
0: <laughs> I don't is you're not- one with no life? <laughs> yeah, you are. Um, <laughs> that's spot on. Well, well, awareness bad- <laughs> is high. Uh, constructors championship wise, Red Bull racing at 396 points ahead of Ferrari 314. This is where the team will be most punishing themselves because, and and again, Luke, you made the point Charles took ownership of his, his failure and he even said, you know, today and then a couple of races ago, seven points, you know, 30, if I lose the championship by 32 points, I'll know where it came from. And that's what they've got to tell themselves. You've got to get a whiteboard and say, this is where we lost points and Red Bull have some as well, but. You know, 396 to 314, Mercedes at 270. Let's look at that for a second. 270 from Mercedes is 44 points behind Ferrari in second. Mercedes, if they keep up their consistency and Ferrari, if they keep doing these kind of things, Mercedes could be second in the world championship. As, as weird as it is to just be putting Red Bull at the front and not worrying about it, that's a big deal, and I think that's um, that's something worth watching. Alpine in fourth at ninety three, McLaren in fifth at eighty nine. That's a clear battle for fourth and fifth. I don't think it'll yep. go anywhere else. Alpha Romeo at fifty one in sixth, and Haas uh, at thirty four in seventh, ahead of Alpha Tauri, Aston Martin, and Williams. Which is kind of it's kind of a really weird makeup of the whole constructors table, Luke, because. Most of that I don't think anyone could have predicted at the start of the year.
1: Yeah, agreed. It's um, seeing Alpine jump in front of McLaren is is probably the most interesting battle there between everyone, I, w- I would say. Um, the, the thing with the Ferrari stuff and Charles that you brought up about, you know, analysing the points throughout the season, if you, you look back at some of the stuff that's happened to Charlie over the years where he was calling himself stupid at Azerbaijan, mm. you know, Stuck it in the fence at Monaco a couple of years ago, and and ruined his Monaco Grand Prix the next day because of the gearbox failure. Like, there's been a lot of these little driver errors that have affected his his weekend, and I dare say would affect him so deeply, like mentally, uh, wondering whether or not he can he's actually got the ability to do this. Um, and I can't remember who they were talking about. Some. Um, a uh, sports scientist or somebody who has been around for years I think years it was Jacques or something, teams. one of the, Jacques, that's the old it. engineers. He's obviously in there trying to to help him out, but it's just like there was no real pressure on him at that point. He had a 28-second lead. Yeah, okay, you, you're vulnerable to the undercut from Max, but, I mean, just to make that error in, in that yeah, race is – him a
0: bit there, and I think, Harry, this goes down to that team radio. I, I think we – we've got to hear the team radio in sync with the racing because i'd be nervous to think what did they say to him in that moment while max is on an out lab, are they pushing him because maybe that was the wrong thing maybe Great charles needed to be told um you know we we need to push their undercut and leave leave you to it or something you know maybe they pushed him too hard harry and that's what drove him off
2: i mean yeah, it's very it's, it's hard to say but it, it is you know knowing the other things that Ferrari has done just in this race, let alone, you know, similar examples of just borderline just stupidity um in hmm. the last couple of years. Like it, it wouldn't <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if there was if it was something like that, you know, coming out of there, look, yeah, listen, Charles Max has got this. We need to get up to him by you know the next two laps, blah, blah, blah. And you know, but yeah. But at the same time, you yeah, this guy's meant to be the best of the best of the best of the driver. Like you should he be, he be able should to be handle up that upper, pressure. Yeah. So,
0: drivers' championship wise, Max Verstappen two hundred and thirty-three points. What was that make it sixty-three points ahead of Charles Leclerc on Charles Leclerc on one hundred and seventy, who is only seven points ahead of Sergio Perez uh, on one hundred sixty-three. So, Charles is in danger of being passed by Sergio through non-winning, just you know, general performance. Carlos Sainz on one forty-four, George Russell one forty-three, and Lewis Hamilton one twenty-seven. So. Even outside of the one and two, the third place is super tight. Um, the two and three is tight. It's it's a super tight championship. But I do have this awful feeling, Luke, that um, it, it's Max's championship to lose, and it would be hard to lose.
1: Yeah, it, it's starting to look that way. And my my heart sank for the uh, the the the, f- the fear that that race would become pretty boring after Leclerc had shunted because you know Max was quite easily the best performer in, in that event and he probably will be for for the rest of the year um you know unless Ferrari can really turn it around and you know give some confidence to Charles start making the right decisions. And, and also get on top of their reliability it's um, it's all the little things that are, are, are failing for Ari right now and um, yeah I think Merck is probably our only outside chance of someone you know launching a late battle late in the year
0: mm. all right boys a great race a fascinating one we do have a, a back-to-back weekend ahead of us with the Hungarian Grand Prix Um Similar timing to to this week, so on 11 p.m. Sunday night Grand Prix. You'll find it on KO Sports. You'll find practice on Friday, 10 p.m. and Saturday morning, 1 a.m. and then practice three, 9 p.m. Saturday, qualifying midnight into Sunday morning and the race, 11 p.m. Sunday night. Um, I, I I don't know. I think that Hungary could produce good racing, but then again, I would have said that of Circuit de Paul Ricard. Harry, I'd maybe maybe we got that one wrong thinking about real race circuits. Uh everyone except this one. I've never, I've never liked this track. Okay, that feels right. very so your boring. Your theory about race circuits didn't include this one, right? Yeah, good, good. good. Look, I don't think ahead.
2: had. I just, I just based it. was just purely based on the immediately the races two before it.
0: Yeah, that was Silverstone. You're, you're excited about that. It's fine. It's fine. Uh Look, great to have your company once again, mate. I, I genuinely appreciate the insights, especially with some of the kind of weird stuff we were trying to unpack there, and um <laughs> it makes a difference. Because Connor may have a great memory and stats, but. The man's not a race driver. Let's be clear, boys. Uh, it's very simple. Um, <laughs> Look, I don't, I don't yeah.
1: think I can beat Connor's stats, boys. Let's, let's be clear <laughs> on that one. That, no one that can, memory man. is something to behold. Um, yeah, but, but people no, are I... riding
0: in to say, give us some more stats. They're asking for analysis. So, Connor, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. It's not looking good. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back again for the Hungarian Grand Prix, boys. Uh, get some sleep and uh, enjoy your week. Will do. Thank you. See ya. Just a passionate sign off there, Harry.